this church, man. I was out of town when that happened, on purpose. Uh, I didn't know Uncle Ray's was here. I might have come. No, I, how many guys, that, when you see that, you want to go for a run and do some push-ups? Me neither. Me neither. But I, I love that we, um, one of the things that you may or may not have seen there, good morning, Pontotoc, Grand Blank, online, radio, God bless you. One of, the, one of the areas that seems to be overlooked often by the church is the business world. And, and boy, we have some great, great people that own some fabulous community-minded family. Some of my favorite churches are businesses because they're run by kingdom principles, by kingdom people. They don't just like, you know, do this capitalistic. They, they serve their people. And uh, we're so grateful that they're a part of this church. Aren't you grateful we have good people like that? Be a part of it, right? Um, and, and last thing, and it's kind of a personal moment. I turned 57 yesterday, but I, yeah, thanks. Thank my mother. Um, as I understand, the, my original birth, she did most of the work. I was there, but it seemed unpleasant from what I understood. But when you saw the, the tug of war, did you see the tug of war scene where all these chiseled Greek gods were on one side? I just went, yeah, man, I don't know. You know, that's crazy. So um, in 2022, we, we always have this coming up year. We're getting ready to do it again for 2023. We just, we have a season of prayer. God, what do you want to say to your church? What is the Holy Spirit doing on the planet? How can we, you know, serve people, serve the community, serve the kingdom? How do we, what's, what's next? How many guys know you can't just like preach the same sermon or do the same thing? You're always listening because I, I go to this church and I serve this church, but this is not my church. I work for the king, and I've been sent on a mission to do a variety of things in a variety of ways. So normally, in the last several years, the, the kind of the visionary statement that's come into the upcoming year has not come for me. My, my son Josh, I think in the last two, uh, Dina, uh, and, and I hear that, and my, my spirit resonates with it. But in 2022, there was a series of things that I felt like the Lord gave me to make sure that I gave you um, throughout the course of this year. And I've been waiting on one because we had to build some groundwork for it. We had to kind of get ready for it. But today we're going to start a new series that really just deals with taking really good care of people. And, and, as, and as, oh, that's the, the casseroles. Yes, yes. Um, oh, visitation. Yes, yeah. Going to the hospital. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, haircuts for the kids. Sure, it was cool. Yeah, but listen to me. When it comes to the event of taking really good care of people, I know of no other place and no other people I'd rather do it with than here and you. But when it comes to loving people between the events, how many guys know we're all challenged by the people around us? Some of you are not amening because the person I'm talking about is sitting right next to you. Right? So I, we talked about what are the things we should do this year, and the Lord said it's the year of teaching Freedom Center how to take really good care of people. So today we're going to go um, uh, into something we, we ended last week with. We're going to come back to you for a moment. And, and how many of you guys remember, how many of you guys, you were here last week. You were here last week. Okay. The scripture we memorized together. Just take a minute, collect your thoughts. Don't, don't say it out loud yet. But we're going to get it from our short-term memory to our mid-term memory, now to our long-term memory. It's a completely different process. And if it, if it doesn't go there, that's because we didn't practice throughout the week to get it. That's all right, too. But just, just what was the book that had the scripture in it? What is the book of? Okay. Chapter, verse, Okay, and, and, it, and it says, and be careful, I'm going to put it up first, we're going to read it together, then I'm going to get rid of it, because if you're like me, you've added words and subtracted words from the original scripture to kind of form the picture, right? So read it with me. It's in that we find out, and, okay, so say it again, it's in that we find out, 
and okay, close your eyes. It's in <laughs> and that's Philippians what? Ah, Ephesians, I gotcha. Simon says, sit down. Okay, say it again. It's in Galatians what? Ephesians chapter verse that says it's in. I love you guys. I, I am. I'm having a consistent Mr. Rogers moment when we do this. I just, I like it when you say that. I like it. So um, last week we talked a lot about who we are, the three circles and all that stuff. Today I want to talk about what we're, what we're living for. And one of the primary functionalities, one of the things that we can do that makes the biggest difference in the world as God would have us to do it is what we're talking about today. So we're going to listen in today on a conversation between what some translations call a lawyer, and it's not lawyer as in legal stuff, it's lawyer as in they, this guy knew the law of Moses so well that he was known as a lawyer. He was, he was a legal expert, but not, not in the laws of Rome, not in the laws of Greco-Roman, not in the Persians, in the laws of Moses, the Ten Commandments, but beyond that, all the other laws that were there, this dude knows his stuff. And so let's listen in. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law, your translation may say a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers, what's written in the law? And he replied, how do you read it? And this, the lawyer answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your ma'od, all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes, hey, you've answered that correctly. Do this, and, and that, that eternal life. Let's just stop for a second. Eternal life. He is talking about an afterlife, but how many of you guys know that when the Bible speaks of eternal life, it's not saying someday when I die, I get to have eternal life. How many of you guys know death is not your Savior? So he's talking about eternal life. The understanding of the Hebrew mind and uh, now in the New Testament is that eternal life begins before you die. If you're in Christ, you're in life. That life is, by definition, eternal. So eternal life is not someday when I die, I go to heaven. It's someday I get born again and heaven comes to me. And then I get, to, I get to overlap the things of this earth with the things of heaven inside of me until the earth, you know, until his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So he says, you've answered correctly. <clears throat> Do this and you'll live. But he wanted, here we go, to justify himself. Anybody remember what the word justify means? It means it's just if I'd never sinned, right? So he said he wanted to justify himself. He wants to know, like, thank you for that answer, but what does that mean? How many of you guys know lawyers, both then and today, make a living about talking about what two words mean? What does and mean? What does if mean? What does but mean? And, and so he's saying, I want, to just, I want to make sure that I'm on the right side of this, so I want you to tell me, I want to justify myself. How many of you guys know that self-justification is the first step towards self-righteousness? So he wants to be self-righteous, so I, am I doing the right thing? Jesus, tell me, because I'm trying to make sure that it's just if I had never sinned. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, this seems like a reasonable question. Who's my neighbor? If I am responsible for loving every person on the planet, I would be shocked. But if my neighbor is my geographical neighbor, if my neighbor is people that live within a certain zip code, if my neighbor is people who have my last name or my DNA or are married within my family, I, I'll love my, my wife, I'll love my kids, I'll love my kids' kids, but we're talking about my neighbor who has a dog who doesn't have any problems with their digestive system until they come to my property. We're talking about not just my son-in-law, but the guy she brought home that says she's in love with named Snake. She's talking about the, the, the government officials. Let's just meddle with that one for giggles. 
within my world, within my system. We're talking about school board members and politicians, and mostly they're a quiet, reserved lot, but, but they, they tend to talk this time of year, right? And they're all over there. My opponent is an idiot. Vote for me because I called him an idiot. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful, right? So it seems like a reasonable question, but he's asking. It's, it's, not, it's not actually a good question. Jesus didn't come to tell us who we can't love. He told us to love everybody. So what he's asking is, is kind of the question, let's, yeah, when I was a youth pastor, kids that would start their romantic dating life, they'd meet some girl at camp or a mission trip, they'd fall in love. I'll write you every day, and music played. They ran towards each other in slow motion, some enchanted evening, right? But as that romance began to express itself, I'd say, how you doing? You behaving yourself? Um, well, uh, 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 you know? Okay, let, let's talk. And so they would ask me the question, and the question was, how far, finish it for me, I know, how far is... Is too far. And I would say, you've already gone too far. And they say, wait, what? I didn't even touch the girl. I'm like, I know. But the question you're asking is not one that would benefit her. It's one that would benefit you. If that were my daughter, and you said, you know, Pastor Jim, sexually, how far can I advance with your daughter before I'm in trouble? I'd be like, run. <laughs> I haven't touched her. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Listen, I, I got a shovel. They'll never find the body. You're asking the wrong question. You're not asking a question that is predicated on love. You're asking a question that's predicated on your own pleasures and your own fears. So every time we get from, from who is my neighbor, this legal guy is asking a legal question about a legal precedent so he knows what's illegal. He doesn't want to love everybody. He wants to know who he's not allowed to love. Those who prefer the law when it pertains to human relationships, ask questions like, what's the most I can do before there's a consequence? What's the least I can do before there's a consequence? Just like speeding on your way here today. You didn't go 100 miles over the speed limit. You went five, six, seven, maybe nine. Why? Because at 10, there's a consequence in Michigan. Unless you're in a school zone, there's a consequence. Or unless you're in Linden, one over, baby, you're done. <laughs> Up against the car, right? <laughs> Laying out of hands. So he's asking this question. It sounds like a legitimate question. So who am I supposed to love and who am I, is, who's okay not to love? He's saying this. At what point, hear me, this is a big deal, and this is, it's really sobering for me today. Um, at what point is it okay to stop being loving? At what point is it okay to exclude people who have harmed you, people who aren't like you at all, people who don't like you at all, people who would fly a plane into a couple of buildings, at what point is it okay to say, I don't love you and God's on my side in this argument? That's what he's asking for. And how many guys recognize it's a legitimate question? And uh, now it's quiet. You were chuckling a minute ago. Why, why is this so hard? It's because real love costs the lover more than anything else ever. You see, I don't know what's wrong with you, dude, but love is awesome. You know, I mean, love is the country western bar as we stare into each other's eyes and dance the night away. <laughs> Lo love is starlit walks, and love is my child holding my finger for the first time. Love, love is mom's meatloaf smothered in gravy. Love is, is the hug of, of some matriarch who, whose arms are like waterbeds that, that just surround you and just comfort you with the blubber and you know that is love and I, I mean just hear me hear me yes but that is not all that love is 
So what if it's not all that? What if it's, it's like hard at some point? What if it's betrayal at some point? What if it's a stranger at some point? Somebody's not like you. Somebody doesn't think like you. At what point are we allowed to say, well, then forget it. That, that doesn't feel good. Therefore, I don't have to. And this is the question that he's being asked. Now, part of the statements of love is awesome, love is the best feeling, love is what I want to give and receive, those are all true, but what happens when love is tested? So I am grateful that at most weddings, people want this verse, these verses up, you know, to be read, but can we examine these for a second? Because I think if we take a closer look at what love is, according to the Apostle Paul, we'll find out that none of it is a feeling, none of it is even primarily emotional, Primarily, these are choices that cost the lover. Love is, what's the number one thing? I know I say this a lot, but I'm now 57 years old. Last time I said that, I was 56. I have never woken up one morning in my life and felt patient. Patience is not something I've ever felt. They cut me off in traffic. Oh, I'm so glad I have an abundance of patience that was waiting. Right lane ending, everybody merged left. So I merged left, but all these other idiots start passing me in the right lane. That's why I'm not moving and they're buzzing past me. Justice means, let's just all go together and make everybody behind me mad. That's justice. But I've never said, you know, let them pass me. I don't care how long it takes me to get there because I feel patient. So what is patience? Patience is I don't want to be patient but I choose to cost my own soul, my own schedule, my own time, my own desires, my own ideal for yours. I choose you over me. Love is patient. How many of you guys kind of wish it wasn't? Love is kind. Is kindness a feeling? I just can't wait to find somebody to be kind to today. What, what do you even need kindness? Kindness is normally needed where there's some lack of it, where someone is unkind. Well, love is kind, though. So instead of reciprocating with unkindness and impatience, we're now reciprocating with patience that costs me and kindness that costs me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It, it doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't honor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Er, put on the brakes. It does what? But yeah, you're not allowed to defend yourself. There's no, well, I'm upset now because over the last series of encounters with you, you've done this and this and that. You always, you never. I knew it'd be quiet. Maybe not this quiet. For the sake of those who are listening on the radio, amen every once in a while, whether you mean it or not, just so they know you're here. Right? Amen. Thank you. Yes, God bless you. You get what I'm saying? Like all of these things are costing me. In my ideal world, I don't have to be patient because there's no one to tick me off. I don't have to forgive, because everyone is so thoughtful of me that there's nothing to ever forgive. <laughs> I have a working definition of, of love. Let me just say, it's patient, and the last thing it says, it, it always perseveres. How many of you guys know that anything that God sandwiches between patience and perseverance ain't going to be good? It's going to be good, but it ain't going to be easy. So here's my working definition. When I'm struggling with love, I don't quote that verse so much as I I ask myself this question. Love is the costly, committed, consistent choice to act for another's highest good regardless of reciprocation. For when when I'm talking about like love, like marriage love, father love, friend love, Michigan orange barrel traffic season love, coming back from out north during a holiday weekend love, dealing with the IRS love, dealing with people who cheer for Ohio State love and other various demonic things, right? 
that when I, it is the costly, consistent, committed. Understand this. If it isn't one of those things, it isn't love anymore. I'm like, man, this is so hard. Well, it's supposed to cost me something. But I've already done it like 10 times, and this is the 11th time. But it's committed. It's consistent. I don't want to. Well, you've got to make a decision, the same decision. Hear me. Jesus made about you. You now have to make about them. So what will you do, Jim? Do you understand what this guy's asking this question? Like, who's my neighbor? I want to justify myself. I want to make sure I'm on the right side of this. So who's my neighbor? Am I supposed to love people on the far side of the planet that are having a bad hair day and get on a plane and go there with my curlers and my hot rollers? Or am I supposed to deal with, like, just people here? And so it's a legitimate question. So Jesus continues to answer the question, and he says this. Here comes one of the greatest parables from, from the greatest teacher of all time. It says this. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. It wasn't necessary, by the way. They, they did it just to, just to steal any ounce of dignity he may have left and cause him to have PTSD and nightmares for the rest of his life. They were just cruel. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. And then they just walked away, leaving him half dead. That, that phrase, half dead, means he was unconscious. And he was heading towards death. So he was unable to speak, unable to identify himself, unable to move, crawl. He's knocked out, and he's laying there bleeding on the side of the road, right? Um, a priest, now this is not priest, but this is a Levitical priest, want to make sacrifices before the Lord. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he's like, Ugh, and he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, the priestly tribe, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, and we'll get into this in later, but there's a reason Jesus, I think, uses the, 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 the nationality of Samaritan. As he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he went, oh my gosh. The churning of his bowels, compassion, pity comes upon him, and he went and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Like he was marinating him for a barbecue later, I don't really know. And there must be some therapeutic value. Then he put the man on his own donkey, so now he's walking instead of riding. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Now, Jesus said, the story's over with. Come back here, look at me. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. Who of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law goes, oh, crud. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, yep, go and do likewise. Um, Law versus love. Law versus love. Are you guys getting this or no? Okay, law versus love. Law, what am I required to do? What's the most I can do? What's the least I can do before there's a consequence and a problem? The first two people, the priest and the Levite, what was the question they asked? Was it love or was it law? It was law. Were they required to stop and help him? Was it their problem? Who is this man? By the way, this man laying by the side of the road, it says there was a man. He didn't say a Jewish man, a Samaritan man, a Roman man, a Greek man. Jesus purposely strips him of all ways of identifying him. By his clothes, they would have known if he was Roman or he was Hebrew or he was Samaritan. By his language and his accent, they would have known if he was a Roman, if he was a Hebrew, or he was a Samaritan. Jesus purposely leaves out anything that would identify him. There was just a man. He was anybody. He was everybody. There was a man. 
And so he says this, this you know, as they're walking down. Now, they're priests. He's got to go minister on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's, he's got to keep his hands holy. He can't touch things that are dead. He can't touch the unpure Gentiles. Samaritans are an especially despised group of people. And so if a priest or a Levite touches him, they are ceremonially unclean and unfit for duty before the holy God until sacrifices are made for that. And they don't know who he is. The law is pretty reasonable here. I don't know who he is. It's not my problem. It, it's, I don't know if I touch him, is that going to affect me in some negative way? I'm walking, I got a donkey, now I got to walk. I just, there's so many practical, I'm late for dinner. I can hear my mom calling. It's not, it, there, this is a commonly traveled road. I'm not the only person who can stop and help this guy. Are you getting this? You hear, you hear what I'm saying? So he, they go by, and the other one goes by, but the Samaritan stops, not because of law, but because of what? Love. This is the deal. Hear me. If I stop, law asks, law asks, if I stop, what will happen to me? Love asks, if I don't stop, what will happen to him? If you get this, you're about to be in huge trouble. Because now orphans, widows, the poor, the sick, those that are in prison, all of a sudden go from being somebody else's problem, society's fault, the politician's promise gone bad, and they become your neighbor. So thanks for coming to church today. It's been good to have you. Hope to see you again soon. If I don't stop, law says if I stop, what will happen to me? Love says if I don't stop. I, can I just say it's a reasonable question? Can I just, be, before we just condemn everybody for not stopping for everyone, can I just say it's a reasonable question? The guy's still alive. It's not, it's not a dead body. It's been decayed on the side of the road, bloated for a day or two. Rigor mortis is set in. You know, the, he's exploded and bodies, you know, three to five days the body explodes. And this is not a decomposed body. This dude's still breathing, which means the guys that did this to him are still here. Does that make sense? I'm going to stop and pick this dude up. I, I've got money, enough money to pay an innkeeper to care for him. What they killed him for or killing him for, I have on me. And it's, it's just one of him. Listen, if it was 10 minutes earlier, it would have been one of them. But they're there 10 minutes afterwards, and it's not them, it's somebody else. And they're like, the guys are still here. They're going to take a break. They're going to drink a water. They're going to come right back to their perch and mug the next guy. Maybe the guy that stops to help him is the next victim. They're just waiting. They're just opportunists. They're looking as a lion would look for one singled out, one old, one young, one weak, so that they can take from them what they want. Are you still here? So he says, I, these are reasonable questions. If you stop to help your neighbor, what happens to you? If you make somebody else's problems your problem, what happens to you? you got a problem. If someone is addicted, if someone is lost, if someone wrestles with chronic anxiety, if someone has been depressed every day of their life, if someone's chemically imbalanced, if somebody's parents of the student in your classroom is freaking nuts, what do you do? It's okay to ask that question. But love, if we're going to side on the side of love, you still here? Is the costly, committed consistent choice to do what is best for someone else regardless of what they do in reciprocation. Yeah. So back to our expert in the law. The lawyer wasn't asking about who to love. The lawyer was actually asking about when it's okay not to. So Jesus' answer in this parable doesn't really leave any room, does it, for a list of people that are outside of our love and it's okay. And uh, piano guy, join me if you would, please. The we're going to be in this parable for a while. You guys okay if we don't teach on the whole parable right now? Good, good. 
So we're going to come back to this and spend some time here with the upcoming weeks. I think this is a key. At least it's a very important question we should all get comfortable asking ourselves. Do you see that? Who am I supposed to love? Who's my neighbor? I'm not saying everybody has to be loved by everybody here, but if you're not loving anybody but yourself, you're missing something. Especially the stinkers. Boy, the stinkers need it. And we're all stinkers. But before we leave this until next week, I want to come back to this thought. You realize that sooner or later, we're all going to play the different roles in this parable. Where love is going to be our only solution to get out. Sooner or later, and and if you disagree with me, check out. But if you agree with me, stay here for a second. Sooner or later, we're going to be the guy that's wronged. Do you see that? What's the solution to being a victim? How do we go from being a victim to someone that no longer lives as a victim. What they did was wrong. It's not okay. It's not right. It's not good. It doesn't make them innocent because love just suddenly go, well, it's okay. It's not okay. So at what point does love play this crucial role if we're the victim? I, I would just say this is probably in the realm of forgiveness. The most loving thing that we can do to both heal your soul as you move forward and give potential for the, for the perpetrator's soul to heal is mercy. And I know that's really, really, really hard. It is the costly, consistent, committed choice that we would make if we find ourselves in that role. Some of us, though, we're going to find ourselves being in the role of being the, per- the person that hurts somebody. You ever been there? Me neither. Man, I, I mean, sometimes we just manage, and sometimes we're part of the crowd, but sometimes when we lead, it is, it is brutal. Um, the choices that a father has to make, a mother has to make, a... Uh, the president of a company has to make, um, a pastor has to make, a deacon has to make. If you have any authority, that authority, when it makes a delineation of of truth, there will be somebody on one side and somebody on the other side, and you're going to hurt them. Do you see that? So what's the solution? How how do we solve that? Again, we'll come back to this, but love is the answer to that dilemma. If you're on the wrong side of that line or you got to make that line, love is the only, it's the only right criteria to make a judgment call of that magnitude. What is the most loving thing? And it's not easy, by the way. You read the Old Testament? God's making some pretty hard choices about entire nations that are to be decimated, even their animals, even their children. You're like, wait, wait. In the Bible, God kills children? God commands the eradication of entire civilizations. You're like, okay, what church am I in? And why would he do that? You would do the same thing if you understand the question. If this arm has been so horribly mangled and it's now infected in a way from which it can never recover, the only merciful thing to do to save the body is what? And a loving God makes horribly difficult choices about people he loves. And if you love people, you've got to make some hard ones. You still here? But what, what about the Levite and the priest? I, I would hope that any Levite or priest that heard that story would say, you know what, if I ever do come across that guy, I'm going to stop because that, that would have been me. When I read this parable, I'm not like, I'm the good Samaritan. I wrestle with not being the priest and the Levite. If anybody in this room knows about what needs there may be in the world around us, it's going to be my wife and our staff. And man, at some point, you got to go home and get some rest. So at what point do you, do you facilitate care, but you can't be the one that answers the phone or the one that goes and does the funeral? Or like, it's, it's a very difficult thing. Sooner or later, though, 
I mean, we're all going to have to let love decide what we do and don't do. I, loving God and then loving my wife, loving my kids. Once I love them well, then that creates a platform for me to love others. But, but how many guys know I can't make my wife pay for the calling on my life? If our marriage, if our home isn't together, then I don't have a ministry to anybody else. My primary ministry to God, my secondary ministry to her, my third Mary princess, uh, princess, third Mary principal priority. I, it's English, and I'm having a hard time with it today. Uh, it is to my family, and then beyond that, from that abundance, I should give away what I have to others. At some time or another, we're going to be the hated Samaritan. You've experienced that one yet? Don't worry. The holidays are coming up. Have an opinion. A God opinion. And you'll find someone that hates you just because. Right? And we're going to have to learn how to deal with that. At, at some point, we're going to be the innkeeper that, that just has to take the resource of something and give it to another and manage that, that in-between spot that isn't out on the front lines. And it's, it's just, you're just the guy that cleans the toilet and pays the bill. And you're just the lady that cooks the meal. And just, but we're, we're, how many guys see we're all going to play a role in this? Do you get that? Sooner or later, so we better get good at, at what Jesus is trying to teach us. And that is, I have a vision for a community governed by love, not by law. And it's going to cost them. And they're going to have to be consistent and committed. They're going to have to be patient and kind and gentle. Because every single one of them is so screwed up that it took the life of my son Jesus to redeem any of them. And hopefully all of them. So we got to get more loving. So how do we get more loving? Last thing is this. The only way to get more loving is to be more loved. <laughs> this is where it comes from. Uh, Todd, you're in the front row. Can I use you an example? All right. You're a pinata. The harder I hit you, the more candy falls out of you, and I appreciate that about you. If, if I have a million dollars in the bank and Todd owes me $100, how easy is it for me to forgive him the $100? Is it hard or is it easy? I got a million dollars in the bank. A dear friend owes me 100 How hard is it to forgive him $100? It's, it's not this. I won't even feel it. The interest while we had the conversation probably gave me the $100 back. That makes sense? Let's change the dynamics, though. If all I have to my name, in my life, for my family, before God, all I have is $500 and he owes me $100, is it easier or is it harder to forgive that $100? Okay, let's, let's change the parable. We all agree it's harder. If I am so loved by God that when someone cuts me off in traffic, I don't even feel it because within me is the wealth of the kingdom of God and the mercy of my king. And somebody cuts me off in traffic, and I go, that's okay. You know, you're probably on your way to Columbus to watch a ball game, and I'm just going to pray for you. And... How many of you guys see, if I'm full of Jesus, no matter what humanity tries to take from me, there will always be more of Jesus than humanity wants to take. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a marriage like that? Can you imagine a family like that? Can you imagine a community? Can you imagine a church like that? But no matter how badly, because of our own insecurities, our fears, our greed, our victimhood, somebody did it to us, and now we would together say, but the solution to your problem is love, and I'm going to take on part of that solution. Do you see how this is the currency? This is the $20 bill. This is, the, this is what heaven operates on, is love. You still here? So here, here's my thought for you guys as you leave today. How far is too far before we can stop loving? Stop. You've gone too far. How do I'll end, and I mean it this time because I got it. When we stop worrying about who to love, 
because we recognize Jesus said, love everybody that has a need and everybody around you. We put our energies not in who to love, but how to love. We, we are a long ways into what Jesus is calling us into. And that's what he's trying to do with this lawyer. Who to love, who not to love. Don't. I'm not going to tell you who to love and who not to love. I'm going to tell you how to love. And once you realize, no matter what they said, what they did, what they put on social media, how they accused you, what their relatives did to your relatives 200 years ago, once we realize that today, here now, is really all that we have, and Jesus is calling us to the costly, committed, consistent choice to act and to will for another's highest good, even though it costs us. I think we're doing okay. Did you stand to your feet? How many of you guys would like to be more loving? Four. Let me ask you another way. How many of you guys would like more patience? <laughs> Father, we bow before the King of glory, the unimaginable wealth of your kingdom, that as sons and daughters and heirs, we have full rights and access to. The righteous will not be forsaken. Your seed will never beg for bread. And in this final moment, God, of this rather lengthy service, I pray right now, God, that you would have your way in our hearts. It's sobering. It's hard. I I mean, I almost feel like accepting your mercy was so easy, you became Savior. This This is the acceptance of your Lordship. This is the acceptance of my own crucifixion, not just accepting yours. This is the recognition of the way I want to live and the way you've called me to live are different things. And that in my heart, God, I, I need to take a good inventory of who I love and who I don't and what that means. And we'll talk about it in days to come. But God, I, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us words before they're spoken by me, that you would speak them. So my words come as a confirmation, not as a revelation. I pray the spirit of revelation, truth, wisdom, knowledge of your people. If you're here today and you're like, man, Jim, I, I get this, but I don't get this. If I were to start loving people, they'd just hurt me again. Let me just, I get it, I get it. But, I, but here's something I want to throw into that equation. Have you experienced the mercy of God? Have you experienced his love? Because it changes things. If you go from having $500 to a million dollars, that $100 debt changes things. You say, Jim, it wasn't $100. I had $500 and they, they took it all. And they left me naked and bleeding and unconscious. And they laughed about They high-fived as they walked away. I get that, and I'm so sorry. I'm not, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying just the opposite. So what do we do now? Well, let's, let's beat them. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. And Jesus says, in essence, an eye for an eye is just the way that the whole world goes blind. And I'm calling people to see. So, Father, we receive forgiveness. Come on, do that with me right now. We receive all the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for us, every sin, every lack, every limited, every not, everything we did that we shouldn't have done. We receive the mercy of God. Forgive us, God, and we will be forgiven. Cleanse us, and we will be cleansed. We pray for that now. Secondly, God, I pray that as we have received mercy, we now have to be merciful. As we receive love, we become loving. So, Lord Jesus, you're the only one that can do this miracle. And it's not a miracle. It's a life of the miraculous. It's a king and a kingdom that has a very different economy than the justice of our laws. Let love win where law wants to take control. Let love win in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Because, God, you have called us to take really good care of people.
That's not a program. That's a cross. And so we pick it up and we carry it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm sorry, I've gone a little long. Altar workers, if you come forward, if you need prayer for anything, I'm going to pray for you. If you got to go, get your kids. How many of you guys think we should talk about this more next week? All right, good. If you got the guts, I'll keep talking. We'll see you next week. God bless you. You're dismissed.